This is episode 33 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. We are live at shop.org, and this is Todd Harris. And as always, we have Jose Chan. Hi, Jose. And we've got a couple Hi, of everyone. folks with us today, a couple special guests joining us. We have Nicole Ryla from Retail Minded and Jasmine Glasheen, also from Retail Minded. So thank you, ladies, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great to be here. Thanks for pronouncing my last name correctly. <laughs> I, I'm just a roll of the dice. It's, Absolutely. It's always I'm on the fringe of potential embarrassment on something I say, so I, you never know. We'll give myself we, we another both are. 20 minutes before I say something. Um, anyway, well, guys, thank you for being here, and I figured we could take a little bit of time just to go over who you are, what Retail Minded is, and maybe cover some of the, the salient topics that everyone seems to be talking about and get your thoughts on it. Awesome. Does that work? Absolutely. Pretty easy? All right, good. So why don't I, Nicole, why don't I introduce you, and if I get anything wrong, just tell me, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce you, and Jose will introduce Jasmine, and we'll split duties that way. Okay, cool? Sounds All right, good. So, Nicole, Sounds you. Good are the founder of Retail Minded, author, IBM Futurist, industry influencer, Forbes and Entrepreneur.com contributor. <clears throat> Hold on, I need a drink. Uh, Co-founder and independent of, of the Independent Retailer Conference, and she has spoken to crowds of 20 to th crowds of thousands on retail subject matters that range from small business marketing to technology for merchants to increasing retail revenue to being a retailer in general. That is a mouthful. It so, is. It's too much, <laughs> isn't it? Lord. <laughs> I actually trimmed it down just a little bit, too, but that was that was a lot. Um, Jasmine. Absolutely. So Jasmine Clashee. And Jasmine is an established writer, thought leader, with a knack for creative problem solving. She has a passion for the written word, artistic disposition, and unique generational insights. She looks forward to lending a millennial voice to retail-minded. Her general insights uh, and thought leadership have been quoted in Forbes and in Retail Dive, among many other publications. Absolutely, Jose. Thank you. Jasmine is the is the uh, seems to be the leader of the millennials. So any millennials at the show need to report to Jasmine uh, <laughs> in about an hour to check in. If you That's are right. a millennial, uh, she needs to just get you on record. Or Absolutely. those looking to capture more millennial attention. Yes, there's a challenge. <laughs> oh my God, and Jose, Jose and I we love talking about millennials all the time. We're sure. not millennials, obviously. Well. well what? Not obviously. Not obviously. We're close. We're close. Definitely. Very well, close. I feel like that's a leading <laughs> conversation in retail right now is yeah. that there's such a disparity between these kind of classical retailers and the millennials who they're trying to appeal to. And millennials are almost like an alien species, right? How do I talk to them? Millennials How just do want I to feel appeal special, right? to them? They just want to feel special. I feel like we are inherently special. And we just want people to cater to us in a way that works. I understand. I understand. More on that later. Hey, Nicole, would you mind introducing our listeners to Retail Minded Absolutely. very briefly? Thank yeah, you. I'd be happy to. So Retail Minded was founded 10 years ago. So I'm aging myself here. But 10 years ago, it was founded, brought to life simply in a way to deliver news education support more specifically to that smaller independent merchant. So since then, Retail Minded has continued to do that. We deliver a quarterly publication. It's distributed through retail groups, associations, um, private niche market retail organizations. So it's a really interesting, I should say, yeah. interesting publication, unlike sure. a traditional magazine. Um, but really with that, our goal through Retail Minded is to deliver quality news and 
and resources for the smaller to mid-sized merchant who they don't have their own HR team, they don't have their own PR team, they don't have you know operations helping them on the back end run their inventory. So Retail Minded helps connect the dots for those folks. And we also have a conference that we produced biannually in Las Vegas twice a year as well that just brings all this education that we're delivering year-round to life on stage as well. And that's the Independent Retailer Conference. That's awesome. When is that? Uh, twice a year. It's held on-site at ASD Market Week. Sweet. So we partner with a trade show simply because retailers are busy folks. Absolutely. So it gives them a chance to like source for their store, but also over the course of four days, we deliver 90 educational sessions, so they have a chance to learn as well. So you, you talked about the, the, the smaller retailers, and um, it seems that a lot of the, the press and the publications out there is about the bigger retailers, mm -hmm. right? They absorb all of the news cycles, whether it's Walmart, who's going to be speaking up there in a minute, mm -hmm. um, Mark from Walmart, and um, or if it's Amazon, or if it's any other sure. uh, you know brand name retailer. Right. Uh, do you? I guess, in your opinion, do the independent retailers or the smaller ones have similar problems, whether it's operational problems or planning issues or, you know, how do they go about things and is it, is it, can you speak to them the same way you do a larger retailer? That's a great question and the quick answer to that is no. Hmm. I don't think so. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I think that their pain points are different because they are different. They don't hmm. operate like a traditional big box merchant might. Um, they're very focused on their local community. Omnichannel is still a relevant conversation to them, but the path of omnichannel is quite different than it would be for that Walmarts or Amazon players in the retail sure. space. So I think that's part of the reality of what a small to mid-sized merchant has to accept, right? There's room for everyone. I've always I've always believed that. Sure. So while it makes sense to, of course, have your big box players out there, it also makes sense to have those smaller players, but how we support them within the industry has to be different. Yeah. Definitely. So omnichannel based on personal connections, mm -hmm. rather other than omnichannel on a larger scale. Yep, the touch points are going to be different. And I think we just have to nurture that. Sure. Companies have to just find how they can cater that. And I know so many great companies do already. They're understanding that the retailers vary in size, whether they're small, mid, or large size. And as a result, business solution companies and those people who influence from behind the scenes retailers, mm -hmm. they're starting to respond to that, which is a huge benefit. It used to be that small businesses could not analyze data or collect data first, right? And then analyze right. it to respond to their stores but now there's so many fantastic ways they can do that, sure. thankfully, through digital and tech. And to keep the conversation going. So there's not that lag with the smaller retailers. So if somebody can come in store to contact them through social media, to contact them through email marketing. So it's a constant collaboration with the customer. Yep, 100%. That's really fascinating. And just to follow up on that, so are your readers more focused uh, on the digital aspect or on the in-store aspect? Or is it equal? Or does it vary? I find that they struggle. In fact, just yesterday, um, we were delivering a keynote at the LA Mart. And so we had a live room of independent small retailers talking to us, sharing with us some of their pain points. And they're frustrated with digital, but they know they need it, right? Mm -hmm. And depending on who that store owner is, they might not be as comfortable in the tech digital space, whereas another one might. So there's definitely variation there, but they all know they need it, and they're trying to understand it. And sometimes, quite frankly, I think we just have to dumb it down for them, you know, mm -hmm. map it out a little bit more clearly so it's less intimidating, because there is so many grand options out there. Sometimes they just want the most simplified to at least begin their journey of combining retail and tech. Yeah, palatable, actionable steps that people can take. Mm -hmm. 
Can you tell us quickly about LA Mart? I was going to ask you about that. Um, just generally what LA Mart is and maybe quickly what you spoke about. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, like me. Yeah. So LA Mart, which is right here in Los Angeles. Um, so it's one of many regional marts across the country. You have the Merchandise Mart in Chicago. You have the Denver Mart in Denver. You have, of course, you know, Atlanta and Dallas, all these great marts. And here specifically, you have the LA Mart. So there's permanent showrooms there that retailers can go and engage with. But there's also temporary exhibitors who come in specifically four times a year for these types of events where they actually make it um, more of an experience versus just a, a whole room that you can, or a showroom sure. that you can visit. Mm -hmm. So yesterday we had a chance to connect with the attendees of the LA Mart and we discussed 10 ways to strengthen your sales and marketing and I have to say combined with competing with Amazon. So 10 ways to strengthen sales and marketing while competing with Amazon. While competing, everything's while competing. Yeah, because Amazon. that's what they want. That's That was the question they had. How do we compete? against Amazon. Mm -hmm. It's a very hot conversation that's not going to end soon. I mean, do you, think, do you think they're barking up the wrong tree trying to compete with Amazon? Just maybe taking the wrong tactic? It's not about competing? Well, that's maybe. a great... Yeah. I like that, Todd. Yeah, that's actually what I opened with, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I was like, as a reminder, let's remember that so much of Amazon is fueled by small business owners. Right. A lot of the sellers on Amazon are, in fact, small business owners. So we can't pretend that Amazon is just a huge entity that does not have a small business power yeah. Behind it, it really does, and a lot of the retailers looked so surprised when I said that, and I had to explain. Okay, let's really look at the basics of Amazon here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of independent sellers who push their product and inventory out through Amazon. Many of which are physical brick-and-mortar store owners who use their physical brick-and-mortar stores and yeah. inventory warehouse essentially. That, sure. Right. Yeah, and then they also sell on Amazon. Well, well here's a question, right? That, that that would pop up in my head. So, following on that Amazon uh, piece, are are, are they worried that Amazon will use their sales data to work against them in some way, potentially? Absolutely, 100%. Some more than others. Some recognize the reality of what data is, right? So they're sure. like, anything I do online is going to be captured and used against me or for me, benefit me, however you want to look at it. Um, I think their biggest challenge is that they don't want to close their storefronts. Mm. They Definitely. don't want things to be only digital online. They want to have a physical presence still. That's what we hear all the time. And my answer to that is there's, again, room for everyone. You can still have that physical storefront. You just need to understand your strategy to leverage online sales in addition to your physical existence. Mm. And I think a lot of those independent kind of retailers that are selling through Amazon are also competing with Amazon now that Amazon's coming out with their own private labels and their own lines. Yeah, and that's part of the reality. It's funny. When I, yeah, when I look on Amazon and I know... There's some sensitivity into maybe buying habits uh, on Amazon. And who do you actually buy from when you order on Amazon? There's an, uh, there's an option to buy from the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. And there's an option just to buy fulfilled from Amazon. That's exactly right. I always have a tendency to do fulfilled by Amazon. Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of it comes down to price. Yeah. You know, a lot of it comes down to price. Like we discussed yesterday at the event, um, you know, for me, my buying is very polarized, where I'll buy from the small local retailers that I'm making, you know, a conscious effort to support. And then I'll get my fulfillment, my basics, my cotton balls and Q-tips through Amazon. Yeah. Hmm. It's, uh, <laughs> I can't remember which of you guys mentioned this, but it's almost 
we don't we don't you know get all excited about the fact that we just bought on Amazon. Right. You right. Know, we don't mm-hmm. go out there and start posting on Instagram and selfies of our order or right. unboxing you know, videos. Unboxing, right. right. Yeah. Things like that. We don't. I mean, unless we're one of the top reviewers or something sure. like that, that that actually submits reviews that are that are real reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like it's not a it's a place you go. It's it's uh, it, it's almost a habit. It's it's right. like yeah. a thing you do and you order from Amazon. It's a thing. Sure. It's that's, yeah. that's about, right. there's nothing glamorous about it. It's just that's it. And what's fascinating about that, if you think about uh, the smaller stores where they could compete is that physical location, right? Because right. if you think about what that physical location is, it's no longer about what it used to be, right? So, for example, Toys R Us. Not sure. a category killer model that should be working today. Now, if, what was this experiential? If you walked in there like a Lego store and started mm-hmm. playing with your kids that rather than just selling product, because yeah. the store is no longer just about transactions. That's right. You know, the path to purchase is no longer linear, right? So it's curvy, it's wavy, it's blurry. There's no direct journey for purchase anymore, and every consumer is different. And I think that's really what it all comes down to. Like, you go to Amazon, Todd, as you said, and you buy direct from Amazon versus that independent seller. And someone else might say, you know what? I'm going to do that independent seller just because by principle, I want to support that independent seller. So everyone's different. And I think that's truly the reality of retail is everybody's different. Every path to purchase is different. Yeah. Makes it hard. Yeah, and for millennials, I know that it's big for us to do different social media channels, take pictures, discuss it with multiple people, post about it on Facebook, get feedback from there before we even consider making a purchase. It's a very social journey, and a lot of the new technologies and new social media that's implemented all comes back to the individual wanting feedback before they make that purchase. Well, keeping on the millennials thing, um, I wanted to bring up a little bit of news that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. I want to get your, your your thoughts on this. And we've seen some news specific to department stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're obviously having some troubles, right? There's been mm-hmm. some issues with some department stores, such as, well, I guess I won't name any names, but moving sure. from either an off-price model back to full price or, you know, the higher-end department store model. Sure. Waffling back and forth, trying to, you know, trying to be like Mike in that case, where they want to match up to a TJ Maxx or those off-price stores that are doing very, very well for themselves mm-hmm. with very little effort. And then you've got these higher-end department stores, um, you know, name any of them, Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom, any of them like that, sure. that are frankly having some issues. They're trying to figure out who they are, who they want to be. And, you know, you look at millennials that have such an impact on this stuff and determining who is who. Um, I guess my question is, does a brand like a Neiman Marcus or someone like something like that hold up in this kind of case? You know, does it? Can it hold itself up in a market where they're, you know, where it's more than just price, or if they're trying to find another unique way to go about um, surviving? Yeah. You know, we've seen it in the past few weeks with with these guys waffling back and forth, and. Um, I don't know. I just wonder how many moves sure. they can make, mm-hmm. right, for department stores. And I actually recently wrote about this um, for Retail Wire because Neiman Marcus is trying to return to a luxury model of retail after branching out into the off-price space. And I think it depends on the brand, because as Nicole said, there's room for everybody. So certain people are finding their voice, or certain brands are finding their voice in an off-price space, and that's working for them, like Saks or Nordstrom, who's making it work. And other brands like Neiman Marcus, you know, they depart from where they got started, they depart from the luxury model, and they find that that's just not working for their customer base. It's just not authentic to their clientele. But there's a, there's a good thing about that. It means that they're trying. They're changing. They're adjusting. And one of the things that 
one of the things that Jose and I talk about a lot mm -hmm. is the lack of agility in retail. Sure. sure. And having to break down these massive walls of tradition of decades on end before they can do something. And it seems like the ones that are pivoting, making the adjustments, again, whether it's on the technology side or mm -hmm. whether it's in how their, their store experiences or if they're trying and failing and trying and failing, that's better mm -hmm. than not trying at all and just ending up like Toys R Us and something else that just falls apart and restructures after you know a year or so. So Sure, right? and it's definitely, and it's not linear, it's definitely how those retailers adjust to the market. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not going to be the same for everybody. Sure. I think the experience is a key factor here. I always yeah. say shopping is entertainment. You know, it's a social yeah. experience. Sure. So a lot of these stores need to remember that when they're redefining themselves. It's being, you know, being agile is fantastic, but how are you creating an environment that consumers want to engage in and actually go to if, if you are a physical storefront? What will bring them there versus simply experience online? Which is a great point, right? Because if you think back to the history of retail, it was Bloomingdale's. They created this experience for the customer, mm -hmm. right? And now, in a way, we're come full circle to try to bring that back because that magic is missing. Yes, I mean, absolutely. retail is really about dreams and it's about magic and being able to really partake in that brand's, let's say, history in a way, right? Sure. And even redefining the physical storefront. Like, what is a physical storefront? Are we going to go there and connect with the brand? Is that going to be a testing center that's going to turn into online sales? Or is the physical storefront going to be where the majority of the sales take place? And I think that the answer is different for every retailer and every niche audience. Mm -hmm. I will say that the advantage physical stores have is to help gain retention among their customers because mm -hmm. of that experience and that entertainment, so to speak, opportunity that they can deliver that mm -hmm. shopping online simply can't. But what they can do is then transfer those same customers to their online experience and that digital presence that they have, engage with them on social media. It's all part of that omnichannel experience. And yeah. you know, it's to their advantage to deliver that type of offering to customers. Have you guys ever been to that store? There is a store that I heard about that I've never been to. It's called <laughs> Perch. Have you heard of Perch? Perch? Yes. They've had some troubles recently. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't stop talking about them or looking at, you know, at least the website, the irony here is that it's an in-store experience that they, they derive their uniqueness from and that sure. you walk into a perch and you're able to, well, not anymore, but you're able to actually look at, you know, different shower heads yeah. there, and they're actually, they have running water and you can go and get your bathing suit on if you want and get in the shower there. I mean, with clothes on, we Very don't want appropriateness in the store, but yeah, they walk in just try the shower heads, sure. and uh, it's a tr literally a try before you buy, right? Right. Well, and they can do this with any parts of, yeah. of um, you know, they have the kitchen appliances there, they have all sorts of in-home experiences mm -hmm, that you sure. can have live while you're making decisions. Unfortunately for Perch, it didn't quite work out, at least they're closing mm -hmm. some stores, if not all of them, and maybe reevaluating how they want that experience to be, but yep. that was an extreme circumstance of mm -hmm. an in-store experience being so unique that either blew all of our minds and it didn't work, yeah. or it just maybe was before their time. Yeah, Maybe before their time, because I do feel like that sensory experience really resonates with people. And on a boutique level, that might be putting fragrances or putting like a testable hand cream near the registers, right? you know, because people want to touch it, people want to interact, people want to pick it up, and that's where the purchases really happen. Yeah. 
yeah, sense, sensory is extremely huge. The five senses, I always say, like the touch, the smell, everything influences a consumer's I decision. Got into the, the cotton, what, the touch, the smell, the feel, the fabric. What is that? The it's commercial? The touch, I can't the oh, yeah. <laughs> cotton, yeah. fabric of our lives. The fabric there we go. of our See, lives. It's ingrained. We're just, we're yes, all. That's, that's fantastic. I love that. We're all being trained every day. It's great. Yep. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, you guys. So, um, what's the so? What are you guys off to next to today? What's your what's your schedule? What's going on? Anything you guys want to plug or anything like that or any? You know uh, what? We had activities? so much fun at the tech lab this morning, exploring yeah. just a lot of different tech that's happening here at Shop.org. We're going to experience, you know, so much more as the day continues. We're going to have a lunch Definitely. with some other. It's going to keep doing your thing. Yeah. Influential folks around. here, yeah. It's just so great to discover all the different things happening for retailers. And it's so cool yeah. to see what's on the cusp. I mean, how a lot of these technologies can be put to action in stores. One of the more interesting things that I saw in the tech lab was actually seeing in scale how an item of furniture would look in your room or in scale how a certain size of bag is going to look on your height. Right, sure. You know, right. that's absolutely fascinating. And when you start to put that to practice, right. that's going to help people get the most out of their retail experience. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. And, and you look at one of the, I guess, the initial um, companies that dove down that path of, I guess, the augmented reality is Wayfair, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're a very interesting company. Yeah. Before this, we talked yeah. about them maybe a year ago. Yeah, I we think, did. We did. We were going over the AR, VR stuff, and um, they've been doing it for maybe a couple, two, three years now. Almost, they started off in a very small, limited portion of, of their customers trying it out, almost as a concept. Yeah. Now it's almost an expectation where you, if you're going to buy something, you want to see how it's going to look in your house. Definitely. And to be able to just sit, uh, sit a chair in the corner virtually is really great. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, that's the kind of experience, I think. You know, maybe not since it's not in store but who cares? Yeah, and it's a it's form a of insurance. It's oh, a form yeah. of insurance. Sure. Experience online is huge. Over in the tech lab today, I discovered this new technology, and I am blanking on the exact name of it. I apologize for that. But it's basically buying shoes online. That's not always easy, right? Especially right, for, right. like, kids who have growing feet. You mean you can, like, put them on your feet before you buy them? And there's this new thing? technology that allows you to, like, upload a picture of your feet from a certain angle and it applies it and then it sure. tells you what size shoe you are. And <laughs> how many moms out there are going to be like so happy? Mom bloggers are going to be thrilled to share this yeah, news with everyone. Cool. Yeah. Because, you know, as adults, we have pretty standard sizes, right? But yeah. a lot of people don't. So so I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it does help that experience online extend. Hmm. It Definitely. does. It does. Yeah. And th thankfully, you don't have to use one of those uncomfortable, like, fitting metal things. Exactly, right? Yeah, there's ooh, advantages there, sometimes okay. to online. Those things don't have to take off your shoes What's in public. Do those still exist? <laughs> <laughs> what is that, Todd? I might have never heard of it. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time since I've used them. It's one of those childhood memories, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Your and, yeah. You know, keep your foot straight and all that stuff. That's and was right. there anything else that stood out to you be, besides those two technologies in the tech lab this morning? Well, actually, IBM had some really neat things with polarized glasses that you can look, you know, when you're looking at a screen, it's one thing, but through your glasses, you're seeing this whole other experience. And and I definitely think that's something like an in-store retailer could yeah. maximize. Um, there's just so much to discover. It's still day one, and we have so much more to explore. So I'm excited yeah. to see everything. And, and actually, there's some great speakers here as well. So I think yeah. one of the benefits of a, something like you guys do with your podcast and shop.org is really learning 
from all the different thought leaders in the industry. Yeah, and they make it easy here at the show right now. And I should just say um, a really a really cool thing about this event, and I haven't seen any other show, is where they have these these open tech tech talks out. There's four of them. Mm -hmm. I think they go throughout the day. One, two, three, four. Yeah, four. And uh, anyone can go. And you don't need a special pass to go. So it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, I agree. You know, and, and they've got the main stage, and it's all on the floor, which is which is fantastic. So we'll be hitting those later, too. You can go from too. one to another. Bounce Builds around. traffic in the aisles. Yeah, it's very good. Yes. Awesome. Well, listen, you guys, thank you for coming. Thank I appreciate you. appreciate you taking a few minutes. I know you've got lunch plans and all those fun things to do after this, and we're That's stuck right. here for a little longer, but it's it's great. We're in our bubble, and no one can hurt us. <laughs> right. Absolutely. It's, it's a great. safe place for us. And, and we've got a few folks out there. Hi, guys. Thank Hi. you for sitting there and making us feel good. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, uh, Nicole and Jasmine, thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, thank, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jose. Yeah, we love do your podcast. Yeah.